Welcome to Mistakes Were Made, a podcast about non-monogamy for messy people like us. I'm Sarah, a queer therapist, writer, and journalist. And I'm her husband, Alex, a communication professional and educator. And we're also joined by our producer and longtime friend, Jessica Partnow. And today we have a very special guest, our second guest ever on the podcast, Reagan Jackson. Welcome, Reagan. Thank you. Thank you for being here. <laughs> so uh, excited. Reagan is a longtime friend of ours. Uh, we go back like 10 years, maybe. Yeah, like actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she is the host of a podcast uh, which with a lot of amazing history, um, going back like four years or something like that, called The Deep End, about BIPOC liberation and healing. She's also the executive director of Why We, Young Women Empowered, um, and author of a dozen books. Can we say a dozen? <laughs> Not I've seen yet, a lot of books. Pretty okay. close. Half yeah. a dozen, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever the opposite of a baker's dozen is. Um, <laughs> the latest of which is still here, um, which is a collection of her journalistic writing, and we work together together. Uh, in that realm uh, when Reagan was a writer for the Seattle Globalist that Sarah and I used to, to work on. Um, and Well, I think also, importantly, Reagan has been what I have come to call our most lovingly skeptical friend <laughs> about our, our decision to open up our relationship and something that I've really appreciated, Reagan, over the course of these past two years is... You've been like a really good gut check for me. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people, I would tell them we were doing this and the most common reactions, one would be, uh, okay, we're never going to talk about this again. And the other one would be like, cool, that's great. Like free love. Awesome. Get out there. Have fun. Um, and I feel like you really showed up with some like very good questions and some, I think, healthy and important, like, skepticism around the project. Uh, so I really appreciate you being here to uh, talk a little bit about that, your own experience with non-monogamy, and I'm very excited. Which is minimal. Like, don't, don't hype people up for that. Um, <laughs> my experience is mostly other people's non- non-monogamy. Right. I, was, I guess you have a lot of experience being skeptical of non-monogamy, <laughs> or at least how it's shown up in your life. Well, I mean, hello, Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell <laughs> I mean, us more about that, Reagan. I mean, throw a rock and hit a polyamorous couple. Um, <laughs> looking for a third. Like. Please don't do that. Uh, Reagan, <laughs> Reagan does actually have a little small pile of pebbles next uh, to her. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, target practice. No. Um. <laughs> Everybody's got to have a hobby. No, um, honestly, like, so grateful to be on this podcast. One, because I listen to it religiously. <laughs> like, I'm the one who's like, it's Sunday and the podcast isn't up yet. What's up? Like, What's come going on, on? Y'all. Where is <laughs> like, it? <laughs> I need to know. Like, <laughs> um, and part of it, like, this is, you know, my, my egocentric, uh, my self-centered version of the universe is such that I was like, they made this podcast so I can finally ask all the questions that I've been dying to ask and that are just like, just over the edge of being rude. <laughs> okay. Now I'm, I'm curious that you've experienced the last two years as you holding back from asking all of the questions. So this is going to be yeah, a really interesting so episode. <laughs> I haven't been uh, privy to as many of those conversations probably as the two of you have had together. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what are some of the like less rude questions that have come <laughs> <laughs> the ones I, where you, you were holding back. Let me be clear, like, they're all rude. Um, but, okay. <laughs> like, it is. Like, but I feel like, you know, our relationship can withstand uh-huh. a little bit of Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> rude um, and often very funny. <laughs> which, uh-huh. I appreciate it. 
But I mean, it's all love, right? Like it yeah. comes from a place of, I'm not here to like judge you or critique or da, da da but I am like, if I were like a meme, it'd be Michael Jackson eating popcorn. Like I'm just sitting here like, <laughs> like tell me more. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, and then you did what? Oh, okay. <laughs> How was that for you? Uh -huh. Yeah. And are you ever going to do that again? <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe, maybe. My answer is maybe. Alex is, is more often maybe. Mine is more often no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Reagan, so you were, when we were chatting before the show, you were talking about how, like, maybe the height of eating popcorn <laughs> and watching this all unfold in all of its, like, glorious awkwardness was a barbecue that took place around this time last year. Set the scene. <laughs> Picture at Chambly Manor. <laughs> Home of the, I don't know, how do you describe yourselves? Like, uh... Yeah, we talked about it a little on the last episode, and I think we're leaning a little bit more into talking about it as like an, in an intentional community. Maybe we didn't say this. Yeah, I mean, it is. Like, yeah. Yeah, we're like, we live in a like collectivist, like intentional community it's with like a bunch of weirdos. Curry. <laughs> on the Fosters. <laughs> Wait, what? No, oh, okay. You guys are missing all my TV references. Yes. So, okay, because I'm, I'm not going to go into all that. Um, <laughs> we'll look it up. Yes. Yeah, okay. But an intentional community, right? Where, like, there's a lot of folks who have been friends for, like, I don't know, three, four decades. <laughs> a long yeah. time, yeah. Um, Actually, what's funny about that is maybe it's, like, an unintentional, intentional community. Yeah. Because, like, typically I think of an intentional community as, like, you planned it out and typically some white male pervert like came, came <laughs> oh my god i'm not gonna drink the kool-aid here no, like, yeah. <laughs> we are not serving kool-aid we will never serve kool-aid here i promise but, but it did kind of happen accidentally sorry i take that back i'm sure there's some great intentional communities this will be the first of nine retractions that i'll be <laughs> on the podcast well mistakes were made <laughs> mistakes yes. were made are, and continue to be made, made. <laughs> um yeah but i think it's like as we were talking about last time it like felt a little bit more we didn't know what we were doing uh, exactly as we like kind of put our living situation together. But yeah, it's like, it's unique, right? Um, it is yeah. unique, mm -hmm. I think, to have like, you know, two best friends who live together with their husbands mm -hmm. <laughs> um, nearby, like all their other best friends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, so there's this kind of really like, I think just a deeply grounded sense of community. Um, and so we all gather in the backyard and then there's these new people and these people have labels like that's that's Sarah's boyfriend, and that's Sarah's girlfriend, and that's Alex's girlfriend. And I'm like, what the fuck's gonna happen next? <laughs> like, like, this is the reality TV show I've been like uh -huh. dying to see. <laughs> um, I have like 99 questions and I'm like trying real hard to like dial it back. This was me being restrained. Like, <laughs> I was like, I, I especially wanted to meet Sarah's boyfriend. Um, Cause I had met, I met Sarah's girlfriend first. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, she's one of us. Yeah. But, so oh, yeah, like, her. Come yeah, on in here. Yeah, I was like, my, you know, like, it just wasn't, there wasn't a, there was no disconnect for me there with right. her being in, a, being in a part of the community. But I was like, Sarah, with, this, with another man. Yeah. Like, that feels mm -hmm. strange to me. Yeah. I'm curious, why did that feel more strange? It did for me, too. So I just want to, like. Well, I'd say you know. even before you, like, kind of came out as queer, the way that you live is queer to me. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I don't know. I think I just unintentionally, like, compartmentalized you in the box of queer for me. And so the idea of you, like, 
dating a man that's not Alex. <laughs> like, just, I was like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, also, I don't, well, I mean, you've talked about it, so it feels weird for me to talk about it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think that you feel safe with most men. That's true. And so to me, like, if you were going to date somebody, why date a man? Right. Like, because if, if it's an option, like, and you don't have to date a man for some reason, because for me, like, it's unfortunately, like, it's, it's unfortunate. Like an unfortunate <laughs> tragedy of my life. It, it kind of is. I know, like, most people don't it's, think about it that way, like, their heterosexuality. But, but, the uh, real Eve's curse is attraction. Is that, yeah, you know, well, I mean, come on, like, you've, you've all read these articles about, like, everybody's having better sex than straight men, <laughs> like, you know, things like that. And mm. I'm like, ugh, like. Here I am with the straight man attraction. Like mm-hmm. I'm picking, I'm at, I'm actively Wait. picking a partner that's like not. Doesn't it actually mean everybody's having better sex than women having sex with straight men. Mm, not necessarily. No. <laughs> yeah, it's it's straight men. They're yeah. the problem. Yeah, um, women like we make it work. Yeah, <laughs> like, we really do. Yeah. Like, it's interesting. We, like, yeah, we've done a lot with a little. <laughs> yeah, historically. <laughs> so that's like that's a comfort zone. Really. Yeah, like. I'm still going to have great sex. (laughs) We do not strap orgasms. That's exactly what we do. Absolutely. If I need to do it, if I need to take it, I will. (laughs) Exactly the way to put it. (laughs) But yeah, like, to me, like, that's the thing, though. Like, if you have all these choices, like, why choose the thing that's scary and not always benefit? Yeah, I think that that is, I mean, you're diving right into the questions. (laughs) These are the kind of, like, lovingly skeptical questions that Reagan has been asking me that I've appreciated and also sometimes not appreciated. Yeah, <sighs> about that. Okay. <laughs> so I'm glad you fr- framed it as loving because it is. Like, yeah. I, I, even though, like, I don't know, I don't feel like the, any of us have a lot of experience talking about this shit. No. Mm-hmm. Like, I honestly, like, don't. this is a taboo. And that's another reason I really love the framework of this podcast because, like, we are socialized to not, to downplay our mistakes. Yeah. You know, um, and even, like, our, our culture around, like, apologizing, it's very, like, you want to apologize in a way where you're not really sorry, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry that slavery happened. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? Like, zero agency or ownership yeah. over that. Um, or accountability. <laughs> that, yeah. right? Like, uh-huh. actually being connected to what right. your own humanity and your own accountability inside mistakes, apologies, right? That. Yeah, we don't do that. So that, like, I don't know, I just, I really, I find it refreshing, the idea of, like, thinking deeply about how we're moving in the world, what decisions we're making, and then, oh, hey, I made a mistake, and here's the people that it impacted, Mm -hmm. Um, here's, like, the accountability, you know, the ownership I want to take over it, Um, and then moving forward, like, what I'd like to do, you know, either to repair the mistake or to move beyond the mistake. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I'm, I need to know how to, like, everybody yeah. needs this podcast because well, we all need to know how to do that in every area, not need just more in practice. our love life. Yeah. yeah. And my relationship to stuff like, like, mistakes that I've made tends to be, like, and I don't think it's, like, the, the one that I want to have, but tends to be, like, around shame. Usually, mm-hmm. like, I, like, fuck that thing up. I did something wrong. I harmed somebody. And I feel, like, a, a deep, like, that's the most accessible emotion before probably even like sort of compassion or empathy or whatever. Like I'm ashamed that I, I'm trying to be like really good. I think of myself in this way and I, and I wasn't. And so I feel ashamed. And I bring that up because there's a common thread with that feeling and, uh, 
like sex and relationships. Like that's a really accessible feeling for a lot of people around sex and relationships too. And maybe like a thing that makes you kind of like be like, I don't want to do things any differently because as soon as I step outside of the, the box of what I know is okay, because this is what everybody told me is okay. Then I start like being more vulnerable to shame. I mean, that's what my experience has been at least. I, I'm interested in the framework around mistakes too, because I think another taboo that comes up a lot and it was kind of coming up for me with some of the questions that you asked me is also just admitting you don't know that like sometimes Mm -hmm. you don't know the answer. You're not sure. Um, and you're in the, you're still in the middle of trying to figure that out. Um, and I think I feel ashamed about that. Like I sometimes will feel ashamed. I'm like, I don't really know. I don't know how to answer this. I feel like I should. Um, and that's part of the reason why I appreciate also like the questioning, being asked questions, that helps me get there. That mm-hmm. helps me kind of like start to understand the things I do and don't know and the way I feel about them and the mistakes I might have made or, you know, the fear. Yeah, well, and getting back to the barbecue, that's probably kind of like <laughs> what we were doing at that time and now still, too, is being like, no, we want, we know what's going on, Reagan. Like, this is to- all totally cool. <laughs> yeah, I just remember standing next to you, Alex, and just being like, so this is hell awkward, huh? Like, how is this for you? And you're like, no, it's not awkward at all. And I just was like, bullshit. <laughs> like, you're full of shit. And you just kind of laughed, and you're like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Did you say that at the time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, yeah. It was, yeah. It was pretty intense. It was excruciatingly uh, awkward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was like... Yeah. Like just, ah, like, yeah. no fighting, right? Like, I am having douche chills remembering it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like convulsing over here. <laughs> I was like, but they're all together in the same place mm-hmm. at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. are we going to break the time space continuum? Like, <laughs> right. But we didn't. And yeah. now, on the other, like, yeah. it's, there's some definitely some deep cringe around that, especially like hearing your perspective. Or as a, you know, somebody coming in with some skepticism in mind. Um, but also, we didn't break the space-time continuum, and we're still in here, and we survived that. with most of those people. With most of <laughs> yeah. Not all yeah, of them, sure. but most of them. But uh, I guess I'm just <laughs> saying that to say, no. like, doing <laughs> stuff it. like that is, is hard, right? Because, like, but it's, it's like, I find it to be rewarding sometimes. Like, I don't like doing it all the time, and I know myself more now that I'm like, why don't I not make this really hard on myself by like doing something or like, you know, going through this again right now around so many social events where like how, which people do we like bring together at this event and how hard is that going to be for me? I definitely was not really listening to myself around that at that time. Mm -hmm. It was much more like, yeah, it'll be fine. It's fine, Reagan. (laughs) (laughs) And then Reagan just laughed maniacally next to me and, (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, I know what fine is. Uh-huh. Nope. Yeah. This is not fine. Yeah. This is not fine. Well, yeah. So what were you like feeling in that other <laughs> uh, amusement? I mean, like, I felt like everybody was sweating. Um, like, mm-hmm. you know, and it was not mm-hmm. that hot out in the Seattle <laughs> evening. Like, I was like, and yeah, you know, Stutes was with the glass of rosé, like, ah! Not just one, many. Uh-huh. Yeah, tossing them back. Yeah. Like, oh, can I get another glass? Yeah. You know, like, like just that kind of, that awkward thing. But, but I don't know. I think that's, that's, this is why, this is why I'm a devoted listener as well is, um, I'm really enjoying listening to the evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do feel like you're like, you're answering questions I asked you like a year ago <laughs> that you really didn't have an answer for, but that you do have more. Mm-hmm more context for and I think there's something about 
about that as well. It's like, I'm very, like, our culture is very immediate. Like, you're supposed to know what you're doing at all times. And that's just not, that's not possible. And particularly if, if you're committed to growth, like growth can be a little messy and it's going to be a little awkward and you're not going to know, and you're not going to be good at things right away. Like the first time you try something, yeah, you're, you're probably not gonna be good at it. Yeah. And most of the time with growth, we're in the middle of it. Like most mm-hmm. of our life is actually spent in the middle of it. Like yeah. not at the beginning when you can imagine that. that it's going to be like neat and follow the arc that makes sense. And not at the end where you're like, wow, I did that. Good job, me. Most of life is in the middle of it, right? And it, that and accepting that and kind of moving through it. But I wanted to kind of return to Alex's kind of talking a bit about shame because that is like as a listener like something that kind of comes up for me repeatedly are these moments where you're like sharing your shame and I'm wondering like at what point does that has that shifted at all for you like are you like are you able to sit with your shame enough to move through to the whatever's on the other side of it and actually like find out like what's the what's the bottom of that yeah that's I would say that's a big kinda um I think that uh, moving through it, maybe less so, but sitting with it. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say is Mm -hmm. like, um, I think there's a difference between like feeling shame or maybe like a lot of other feelings like that and just like retreating from it and being like afraid of it and just being like, you know, and maybe that's part of what shame is too, but being like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't even want to recognize it and being like, Oh, I, you know, now I feel like I know, Oh, I'm feeling this in my body and right now and like this is a feeling that I'm having and I can recognize it and Mm -hmm. like try to have some compassion for myself I guess and so that doesn't mean necessarily that I'm definitely not transcending it like it keeps coming up but there probably are certain things with non-monogamy too that like it has taught me things I think my starting point with all of it around like definitely the the sex parts was just like um like a narrative about the things that like men can do to women uh, in romantic or sexual relationships and like a lot of like growing up with a lot of fear around that in an environment of like the Do beginnings you mean when of, you say doing to women, you mean harm? Like, yeah. Harm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Thanks for clarifying. Um, and like rape culture and like, you know, we grew up with like fucking Adita Hill and Clarence Thomas and like, mm-hmm. just like all kinds of stuff like that. That was, it was sort of like the beginning of a social recognition of that stuff going on. And I think I just like internalized that a lot. So most of my early relationships were like really couched in like, oh, am I doing something wrong? You know, um, and then obviously like our relationship, you and you and me, Sarah, was like, we built like tons of trust around that. But then going back out there, you know, that was still there. And that's been one of the things that's been great for me. It's not like I'm just like over it, but like I understand a lot more like what am I giving what am I getting? What is for me and what is for the other person? And where is that stuff safe? And I never would have figured that out if, you know, I hadn't like taken these steps to like be in new relationships with other people. And maybe I could have, but like gave me a chance to like learn about consent more and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is interesting that idea that for us, and I feel like I'm kind of coming to this realization in the moment, some of the questions that you're asking around shame, maybe for Alex, around fear for me, mm-hmm. were not questions that could be answered in one intimate romantic relationship. That. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I really wanted that to be the case. I would have 
there are a lot of days still <laughs> when I would have preferred that that were the, that I could have that I could have answered those questions in in one in the one that you and I have, Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's been part of like my frustration and angst around this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. See, you ask good questions. Well, but also like okay, because y'all are. <laughs> Y'all are some of my married friends. <laughs> and so there's a part of me that like, I feel like you opened up a window into something where I'm like, but y'all are married. Like, aren't you answering those questions? Haven't you answered those questions? Like to me, like I had, I had some um, assumptions about what it meant to be in a long-term monogamous partnership around that arc of growth and that arc of like, like that person being able to like go with you through those, through all those journeys. So to me, I was kind of like, What's happening? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was, I was just thinking a second ago, like that in some ways, like, be, you know, the dichotomy of like a, a monogamous person versus a non-monogamous person, obviously mm-hmm. there's a difference, but like your experience as a monogamous oriented person who's been in a lot of relationships is more similar to, you know, a non-monogamous person's than it is to a person who's been in, you know, like a 20 year marriage and never really been in other relationships with other people. Right. Like there's, there's a lot of, similarity there although it's funny that question like when you talk about like shame Mm -hmm. that's where I feel the most shame where I've like failed at that idealized marriage Mm -hmm. concept right like Mm -hmm. uh, that comes up for me a lot where I'm like yeah but if we were doing this right and if we were really in love and if we really did have like Mm -hmm. all of the things that married people are supposed to have and be able to do for each other we wouldn't want or need to do this Mm -hmm. and like that still like when it comes up i just like feel i feel so like i have so many feelings about it that's probably why we lean so hard into critiquing those Mm -hmm. systems or whatever you know somewhat from a defensive posture or whatever yeah i also yeah reagan what are you thinking you have you have a look on your face (laughs) i have a look that says i'm thinking yeah that's reagan thinking (laughs) um i don't know i'm just i'm sitting with I'm sitting with that um, and thinking about imposter syndrome um, and thinking about the ways in which like there's times where I'm all like, Ooh, do I say this in public? (laughs) (laughs) This is a conversation I would have off the record. No, If it goes badly, we can edit it out later. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll have a little safety around this. Yeah, we'll have safety around this next safety thing. Safety and consent. Because, yeah. like, for me, actually, Stutz, this is kind of a reoccurring theme that comes up around the ways in which, as, like, a cis-passing, <laughs> you know, white woman, um, it would be very easy for you to disappear into that ideal mm-hmm. um, and to just you know well it's fine everything is fine Mm -hmm. um and that's not actually who you are Mm -hmm. uh, or how you function like even in the context of you know the shambling manor and like this kind of intentional unintentional community y'all have created it is very different than the ways in which other people's friendships and other people's marriages work um so actually like in that way, it wasn't surprising to me that doing something different would would work better mm-hmm. for you than doing the thing that 
you know, being Donna Reed or something like that's not your life. <laughs> like you can pretend for like a little bit, but <laughs> like also like I think it's stressful for you to have to try to pretend. It is. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you saying that. I think like that gets that strikes at the heart of a lot of a lot of stuff around like identity and authenticity and like that being connected to humanity and accountability. I have a ton of privilege in that department. Um, it's, there's, there's a stack of it there. Uh, and there's a huge part of me that just wants to take it and for that to be okay because that sounds easier, you know? Mm. I mean, like, I feel complicated things about saying that. Um, and I just can't, like, <laughs> it's like I can't quite do it. I can't quite do it. Um, and there is just a, that. you know, I have, I, like, I, this is part of me accepting that about myself, um, about, like, who I am in relationship to, like, the package I came in. Um, and... Yeah, that's part of the learning I'm doing here, too. And it's, like, not always super sexy. <laughs> well, and for me, like, you know, just kind of at the beginning of your journey, I was like, you're going to do what? No. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, not, because, like, not because I wouldn't expect you to do something, like, non-traditional, but because I wasn't sure if this was the right fit for you. Tell me why. I could see what Alex would get out of this. First of all, like Alex is tall, Alex is white, like like Alex on Tinder, you're Tinder fucking gold, right? Yeah. Like tall, white, <laughs> like, homeowner, dad, like, married to a feminist, like not an asshole, like sparkly blue eyes, asks questions for a living, right? Friends with tons of I no love comment. You and secretly hate you <laughs> yeah. for this reason. Yeah. I also That's love you and secretly hate you for this reason. Yeah, because I was like Having been like out on the market, I knew what you were in for and you did not know. Uh, and I, I was like, don't do it, girl. Yeah. You've already got what you're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, right. You got the, I got the prize. Like, yeah. <laughs> it ain't getting better than that. Like, <laughs> best of luck. Like, yeah. And, you know, it like felt like really weird to like have to talk to you about that because I was like, oh, man, I don't know how to warn you for what you're about to experience. Like, I tell you these stories about like what dating is like. And, and then I was like, but, okay, but, but Sarah's white too. (laughs) Like, you know, she's, she's skinny. Like there's, there's things like Mm -hmm. you you do have privilege. There are ways in which like your experience will be different than Mm -hmm. mine, um, in my embodied experience, but I still was really scared for you. Yeah. And then, you know what, like three, three weeks into it, you were like calling me and you're like stricken, stricken and like. It was actually really sweet. You're like one of the few friends who's ever like you apologized to me. I did <laughs> because you like didn't understand yeah. before like how awful it can really yeah. be. I apologize to you. I apologize to Jessica. I apologize to a couple mm-hmm. of my friends that I had been really close with while they were dating. It was like my someone described it for me. They were like it was like watching you walk into a buzzsaw. They were like it was so hard to watch you do that. Um, yeah. I was a little bad at you, Alex. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, be- mm-hmm. not because it wasn't a communal decision. I knew both of you had, like, consented and decided to do this together. But I was like, what you're going to get and what you're going to mm-hmm. get is so different. Yeah. 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 I was like, you don't know what you're doing and it's yeah. going to hurt her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Is this the part where I talk about how it hasn't been great for me either? No. I, no. I, I, I think no. this is this sure is isn't. the sitting in the shame yeah. part. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the practice. Mm-hmm. We don't talk yeah. about Bruno. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Okay, we'll, we'll edit that part out. I'm going to go on a 15-minute rant about how oppressed I am, and then we'll edit it out. Oh, I can't. Um, <laughs> you have to do that in another yeah, episode. Yeah, so... <laughs> no. So in... Uh, yeah, what that makes me think about is is I could see why you would have that feeling, and like I did too, kind of. Um, and I think that you know we were like entered into that coming off of experience where I had done a bunch of stuff that was also hurtful to Sarah, and you know I think that's what I tend to come back to, and it's certainly coming back to it from like a very privileged position that like the other road isn't isn't necessarily easier um you know like there's a lot of uh you know that that like feeling like oh you've arrived at some place Mm -hmm. and it's sort of like it can feel on the outside is like it's an idealized place but like i mean i would say like you know probably from the outside looking in and on the inside sarah and i had like a really great marriage and a really great relationship and back to what you were saying a second ago we had like achieved a lot of those or like opted into a lot of those things that were like pretty normy like you know homeownership and kids and like all of these things had gone right for us in these ways for like obviously all of the reasons that they do go right for some people and not right for other people Mm -hmm. um but even sitting inside of that that doesn't mean that um it's super easy And I I definitely don't, when I think about back on the decision to like open our marriage, it's not like we're like, well, we're bored. We've done it all. Now let's do something else. You know, it was like, everything's hard. Everything is kind of falling apart in the world. And, you know, it, we could feel that like impacting our family and like, uh, it just like, it kind of felt like we, we had to do it maybe, or, or like, the other option was not was not just an easy one, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know what you think about that, Sarah. But oh yeah, I mean, what do I think? I'm still back there, just thinking about like the dating and privilege in, um, you know, the privilege that I had of being so oblivious to the safety that I was walking away from. Like, I think that's what I'm thinking about um, and how I think sometimes when I'm, I can be intentionally oblivious as a way of pushing myself towards things um, for better or for worse. Uh, and I kind of will get into, I'm experimenting mode where I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going out and I'm like, ha- being a journalist, I'm experimenting with stuff. Mm-hmm. And Alex and I are experimenting with stuff mm-hmm. um, and not being totally accountable to what I was actually doing. Um, what I some of the safety and privilege I was walking away from some of the safety and privilege that I just got handed and didn't like totally see or understand. Um, and I don't know how that like responds directly to what you were saying about having to do things. I mean, I was definitely oblivious too. That's totally, it's not like I knew what was, what was going to happen or what that was going to be like. And like part of that is also related to, uh, all of the things that, you know, speak generally in a binary way, women do to make men feel like shit's okay. 
mm-hmm. for them. That's right. Um, yeah. the, the invisibilized labor of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. of comfort. So, of course, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, look, here's all these people who are dating. And I probably didn't, wasn't privy to all of the conversations that you just referenced, Sarah, that, that you later apologized for how you showed up in them. Like, I was aware that dating for women is like no picnic. Um, and is, is like, can have really bad experiences, but I didn't probably like, know. No, no picnic slash Unless. awaking fucking blood-soaked nightmare. No picnic, you know, hellscape, no picnic. It's all the like, same. Unless you go on a picnic with a serial killer, I, I in which believe, case it is know, a picnic. Yeah, yeah, which we all probably have. Yeah. He re- described it as no picnic. I described it as an emotional buzzsaw. <laughs> So, just taking yeah, note. Okay. <laughs> Potato, potato. Whatever. I'm, I'm clearly not getting any free passes today. Oh, no. Not yeah. today. Not about that. <laughs> yeah, I, well, and thank you, Reagan. Like, uh, that idea of, like, marriage, safety, privilege, the privilege to feel safe or think you are, um, that obliviousness, like learned and <laughs> often sometimes just taken. Uh, that's all here. And it's definitely in the origin story of us doing this. And I love having you on the show because you were here for mm-hmm. the for the origins of it. Oh, yeah. um, and you were not surprisingly because of like the work you do as a writer, an activist, um, a mentor, a journalist, you're paying close attention. <laughs> Taking notes. Taking notes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and when you turn your eye to something, like, you, you see it, you know? Um, so, yeah, thanks. <laughs> you know, I thought, remember when we were talking about this episode and the questions, we were like, we need to bring sexy back into this podcast. Like, we end up Ooh. talking about, like, trauma and, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, oppressive systems all the time. Mm-hmm. We're going to lose listeners. Like, we, we're supposed to make this more sexy. And <laughs> I was like, all let's like, let's get Reagan. I was like, maybe Reagan will come and ask us some fun, sexy questions. And the second the mics turned on, I was like, why did I think yeah. that? <laughs> Well, I mean, sure, I'll ask some sexy questions. <laughs> but you don't want to answer them. <laughs> yeah, you're like, which questions do you hate more? The yeah. sexy ones or the trauma ones? <laughs> I, I think there's more comfort with the trauma. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. okay, like, are we doing, is this the pew, 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 rapid, like? Well, Actually, before we do that, okay. I, I do want to do the pew, 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 rapid fire. Um, <laughs> Jessica, you come in later yeah, with the good sounds that around that. Star Wars um, laser. <laughs> but I want to hear from you a little bit about your feelings and thoughts about marriage, you, the ways you've bumped up against non-monogamy in your life. Um, just like kind of how has this shown up in your life? Mm-hmm. And why are you interested in these topics the way you are? Mm. Oh, well, one, I feel like it's unavoidable. Um, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think that I was choosing to be interested. <laughs> I think it's just that uh, something has happened in Seattle um, that happened like slightly before the pandemic where just the, I don't know, per capita, like just it seems like it's becoming a very polyamorous city. Mm-hmm. Um, and even things where like it, it had become, it's becoming like normalized. Mm-hmm. So like the, the youth in my programs are talking to me about their multiple partners or like, uh, some of my colleagues were talking about things like that. And I'm like, I mean, again, with the popcorn, like, what, what is that? Like, so, so you live with one boyfriend, 
But then, like, you have another boyfriend, and sometimes they hang out. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I don't know. It just is very foreign. It's, like, a very foreign mm-hmm. concept. Like, in a lot of ways, like, I don't think that I can separate that from discussions of gender or from discussions mm-hmm. of sexual identity. Because, like, that's the other thing is, like, these kids are coming up with genders that I haven't even heard of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I just feel like there's, like... I grew up in a world where there was an, an option A and an option B, and now there's like an option A through Z. Like, mm-hmm. and so like, there's a part of me that's just catching up and trying to figure out like, what y'all doing? Like, what else, What are other people out here doing? And and why? Like, is there something that like what's calling you to that? What is it? What are the questions that that aren't being answered in the context of you know box A or box B that you want to like explore? Um, and should I be asking those questions or do, do I know the answers to those questions? Like those are, I think that's, that's kind of the root of my curiosity around it. Um, in terms of like my framework around romantic relationships, um, I grew up, uh, I grew up in a household where my parents got divorced when I was two. So uh, I didn't have a lot of understanding of gender roles precisely in that like I either lived with my dad or I lived with my mom and they both did the same things. They both went to work, they both cooked, they both cleaned, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and I never really saw them. Well, I didn't see them frequently, like actively in partnership to know, like, what, what is that even like, what is it like when there's multiple people sharing the load? Um, I don't even like, it's hard for me to like figure out like, where do I, like, where do I fit into that? Um, so dating for me, has often been really complicated by all of the things like first being, you know, okay, I'm, I'm a plus size black woman (laughs) with natural hair. I'm a, I'm a fourth generation feminist. Like this is not earning me any points on Twitter. I'll just tell you that. (laughs) It's almost as though if there were like the opposite sort of like Tinder privilege to the list we just described with Alex, it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's a conversation there, right? Oh yeah, totally. So like, I know, like, I know what you're like, (laughs) like what it's like for you. And I know what it's like for me. And that's why I was like, ah, middle fingers up. Like, let's just put it this way. One's a picnic. (laughs) Isn't it amazing that we can transcend those differences and sit across the table from each other? Oh, oh my God. Okay, are you Bernie Sanders to me? Oh my God. Someone take the bike. Tell tell me about your long walk with MLK. Um, I would have done that if I had been alive then. I assure you. Oh my God. Kill me. Mistakes were made out of No, I'm loving this. Um, But yeah, so there's all of like kind of when I'm when we're talking about like Stutz's privilege and non-privilege or things like you know like the ways in which I feel like you're vulnerable and the ways in which like you're less vulnerable when I think about it in my case like there's ways in which I I'm okay like I do track a certain way or like there's some there's some privilege that I have but then there's ways where like I'm just outside of the binary mm-hmm. um, in a way that like people don't know like they don't know what to do with me right um, and are often like really perplexed by who I am. Like, I, I feel like I'm like, <laughs> this is awful. In dating, my role has often been like catalyst for big life change. 
Oh my God. You know, like I come into their life and then they like, I don't know, decide to become a monk and move to a monastery or like, you know, or like <laughs> they, they decide they really love their ex-girlfriend and they're going to go back like, or, you know, like, there's, yeah. but it's like, whatever it is, it's like this huge, yeah. like life change, massive like, paradigm wow. shift. Yeah. Where it's not just like, I can't ever just seem to like go on a regular date. It's like always got to be some like epic saga, like journey thing where I'm mm-hmm. like, I, this isn't actually what I wanted to do. I just wanted you know, ostensibly the thing that you so cavalierly were kind of like meh about where I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, what would it be like to have a person who I trust, Mm -hmm. who's my friend, who understands me and values me and isn't afraid of me? Mm Because that's a whole other thing, Mm -hmm. like scary black women. Oh Mm -hmm. gosh, we're so intimidating. We have feelings and (laughs) and PhDs and shit. I don't know, like (laughs) scary. Ah. Uh, you know, so like having someone like accept all of me, um, the idea that there'd be like multiple people who want to do that is a little far fetched. <laughs> like, yeah. when I can barely find like one. Totally. Um, yeah. So that's kind of, you know, my framework into, into this conversation is just feeling exhausted and depleted by uh the emotional labor that dating has cost me yeah up to a point where like i just go on like long spurts where i just don't date Mm -hmm. because it is a suck Mm -hmm. it like sucks sucks my time it sucks my energy then i'm mad about something then i'm sad about something Mm -hmm. and like the brief moments of euphoria are like not equal to yeah like Mm -hmm. yeah it's just not equal and so at this point like now i'm what i'm 42 i've never been married um, I've definitely wanted to be married and have a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, that's felt wildly inaccessible to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, like when I've been approached um, by like polyamorous people who are interested in like partnering with me, it feels almost offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because I don't feel like they hear me when I'm like, oh, that's, you know, no, that's not what I want. Like, mm-hmm. I'm fine with you wanting that, but that's not like who I am or what I want. Um, and yeah. And so like before the show, we were kind of talking about a situation that happened where, uh, there was a man that we just really hit it off and it was this vibe and it was fun and it was light. And we just like, we had good rapport and I'm, you know, I was really feeling him and, and, um, you know, one thing led to another, we slept together and then I discovered, oh, he's married. Yeah. And um, for him, what was funny about it was he was like pretty unapologetic because mm. he's like, well, I'm not cheating. Like, I'm in an open relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm totally okay to do this. And I was like, so you don't see me. He at hadn't all. disclosed that. No. He, w- he had disclosed all of his activities to his yeah, wife to, or to his partner. To the person who mattered. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. And centered himself. Uh-huh. Entirely okay. not to you. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And so, and that was the thing. It's like it made it made me feel like I did not matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like he had a, it was a violation of consent mm-hmm. um, yeah. because like he like he did not give me the information I needed to make the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like was completely unapologetic and was very like he was like he was the, he did that American apology of like oh I'm sorry that you're upset. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. And I'm like. I hate that even more because yeah. you're not even like taking any like accountability for why I'm this upset. Mm-hmm. And I know like he doesn't like, he doesn't probably have all of the context of my framework of why this would be so egregious and so offensive, but also like 
it didn't occur to him to ask because I'm not a person. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that like has like come up for me around dating over and over again is feeling completely dehumanized. And like my needs or my wants or who I am as a person, like do not matter. Mm -hmm. It's about his dick or it's about what he feels like would be pleasurable or what he wants. Um, and I'm like, just can't like it, it dating is not a safe space for me. Yep. So the idea of like people like, and suddenly in a, in a pandemic also deciding mm -hmm. to like go and date other people was like crazy to me. Yeah. yeah. Like absolutely nuts. I was like, y'all are going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get COVID and die. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. like, then you got these two kids. Like, what yeah. are we going to do? Like, then like, Reagan will be raising our children with I Jessica. Like, <laughs> I was like passing a hat, like right. trying to like support these two orphans. Yeah. <laughs> this goes from eating popcorn on the sidelines <laughs> to the central tragedy of my life very fast. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, wow. me freaking out. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Now, now you understand a, a bit more yeah. about the context yeah. of me like freaking out because like I'm like, oh no, don't do it. Yeah. And what a couple of fucking dummies we are. <laughs> we sound like there. You know what? I can no. like. But well, I mean, when you put it like that. No, yeah. no, no, no. I, I mean that. I also am trying to mean that, like, say that lovingly. Just mm -hmm. like it is part of the privilege on top of the other privileges that we've talked about of having been in a relationship with someone that I love and trust and in partnership with for 20 years. I was like, yeah, let's have more of that. Mm -hmm. And you were like. You're not going to just, they're not passing that out at the door. Okay. No. That's not. And you, then it was also me being like, greedy bitches. Yeah. <laughs> and also you sound greedy and ridiculous. Right. I'm like, I'm over here trying to get my one. You're like, yeah. you're going to take up all these things. And then I was like, okay, they're not even in my pool. Y'all, we don't <laughs> date the same people. It's fine. <laughs> There's that's enough true. to go yeah. around abundance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's interesting that you're like, yeah, you're like that's like a, a scarcity mentality in a really specific way. That's <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So okay, yeah. in fact, like full disclosure, like I am in a relationship now, and it's good. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. so, like I've gotten to like at least the other side of something. Yeah. <laughs> like, How has that relationship changed your orientation <laughs> towards our non-monogamy? Oh, it hasn't yet. Um, <laughs> it's still new. <laughs> it's still new. Um, but just the process of like y'all unpacking the way the ways that you're thinking and like and, and disclosing like what mm -hmm. what was scary to you and what was hard for you um and what were things what were unexpected benefits um what were things that were actually working well um i remember like an earlier conversation with students where you know there's all those fears right like their fears of um you know, dating is going to take us away from the children or take us away or make us like not as attentive as parents. And how Stutz was like, Alex is actually a better dad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and mm -hmm. is, you know, like none, it's like actually unfounded, these fears or these things, like it can, it can go a different way. There is a mm -hmm. different way that things can happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess like part of what I'm taking away from all of it is that just because our little traumatized human brains have had an experience of something going wrong in the same way a lot of different times doesn't mean that something can't go right yeah. um, mm -hmm. or that there there can't be a different possibility that we never even imagined right like what if what if this is your happily ever after mm -hmm. is is expanding upon this intentional unintentional community in a way where uh, where your partnership needs are dispersed among other people and that's like the gold standard. What what would that be like? 
yeah. That was a hard pivot. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, but this is like, yeah. When you're talking about like what you're learning or what your experience is like, it's not always lining up with what I think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's like that space, like expanding upon that space of like the unknown, I think is where the learning really occurs. And that's part of what is like so scary and exciting at the same time, because your fears were also right, you know? I'm like, I know I wasn't wrong. No, that's the thing. I mean, and I, that's why this is like such a tough space because it's like the, the, we're scared for a reason. Yeah. Those reasons are real. Those like, those patterns exist in the world. Like those experiences are real mm-hmm. and, and we, you weren't wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And also surprisingly good things can happen when we challenge what we think is true and safe and the only way to be. And I'm like, I think I'm, non-monogamy is just constantly, and I would say queerness too, um, is just like constantly pushing me up against that idea Mm -hmm. of just like, you do know, you can trust your gut. Some like being afraid makes sense. And also taking risks with like what can be, can yield really beautiful, sometimes liberating results. But that's also just like an exhausting and frightening way to live. And also, as I'm saying this, I'm sounding like, I'm like, it, this is also an expression of privilege, right? That I like get to choose that in some ways too. Right. And like where I take risks and stuff like that. So, yeah. Okay. I'm not talking about privilege. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Y'all, you know. <laughs> like, check, uh-huh. check. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I say that because I just feel like I am pushing you into like a guilt spiral and I don't know. No, yeah. No. And I think, I mean, and I'm like, like eh, that's not productive. Today. Once you, you, it's good to have that conversation, but once you yeah. have the privilege and you're like, know that you have it and kind of have acknowledged that for yourself or for other people to the extent yeah. that it's relevant, what do you do with it? You know, it's not like you're going to live smaller and that's going to, you know, no. Automatically uplift some other people or like give them, you know, maybe there are ways change, to do that, but it's change not change really... Tinder culture. Yeah. <laughs> right. Any and like you can do that in dating people and it's shitty. You know, if you're like if I'm like, oh, like I think I wanna like change the culture and like lie about like what my attraction patterns are and like try to transcend my conditioning, mm. I'm gonna just end up being kind of mean mm. to people on a longer timeline or something, right? Like that's not <laughs> yeah. like a basically a thing to do and i don't know if you know yeah i'm sure people have been on on all sides of that kind of thing and but yeah i i don't know i just it's definitely like it's a thing to talk about and sit with but like what is good for one person or what is you know it's not like there's not really like a fairness fairness is a is a is a useful concept but only to a certain extent and then can you change the things that are unfair? Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think you can. <laughs> um, and I, but I think it's like, we're saying, we're saying that like the way of doing that is like, you know, moving towards being authentic, being connected to accountability in your own humanity um, and being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Um, and making mistakes. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Come full circle. (laughs) Here we are. All right. 
back from the break. Uh, ready for our lightning round where Reagan Jackson. Where we lighten the mood. Where we let, let's really try and lighten the mood. <laughs> our light, yes, lightening up lightening. the mood round. Yeah, um, I'm not attached to that, just so you know. <laughs> like, yeah. this, is, this is why my podcast is called The Deep End. Uh, yes. We just dive yeah. deep. We go like into in-depth yeah. yes. stuff. It's never like, you know. Yes. I don't know. Housewives of Atlanta. Thank you, Reagan. <laughs> and I mean, it's worth saying like, has anybody noticed the times that we're making this podcast in? Like, these are not always lighthearted times. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, what yeah, you gonna do? We're in the apocalypse. Yeah. Like, yeah. season three. Like, our podcast will reflect that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, but so, okay, I'll reframe. This is a lightning round where Reagan, we are giving you permission to ask us any and all questions oh my God. that you have for Ooh. us about. Kind of anything related to non-monogamy, of course, everyone can do a pass if they don't want to answer. <laughs> but boo on the out. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Okay, but wait, I wait. won't pass. Yeah. <laughs> and is it just other follow-up questions, or is it just like answer everything I've ever wanted to know? Oh my god! Stony silence. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you take this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, let's jump in and see what happens. Okay, all right. Okay, when's the sex party? No. <laughs> okay, that's the first question. First question. Yeah. Uh, the, okay, honest answer. Uh, sex parties are very complicated. We've talked about this a little bit in the past, but like, it is for me, I think for us, that is not like, so I think some people have, or have like sex very accessible to them in terms of like, non-monogamy and like multiple partners and that's the easiest part and then the emotional parts are hard and I think we're kind of the opposite so mm-hmm. I'm just like I'm the everything is hard option yeah 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 uh, no. so, <laughs> no. I would say when we're when we're like 50 years old and have achieved full non-monogamous enlightenment then perhaps <laughs> <we're gonna laughs> after levitation yes yeah, exactly yeah. Yeah. So before the rapture yeah it will be touchless sex that just it'll be like you know mind sex like that that press on oh my god was oh, it, what yeah. was that movie yeah uh-huh what was it oh, i just watched it the other I day i know what you're talking about what are you talking about like the fountain or something no. no, it's like it's a Stallone and Wesley Snipes movie with Sandra Bullock where they're like oh, Demolition, Demolition Man. Man. <laughs> Wait, when there was mind sex in Demolition Man. Yeah, don't you remember uh, when Sandra Bullock is like, yeah. oh, I want to have sex with you to um, Sylvester Stallone, and it ended up being this whole like, like it's a uh, virtual reality. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. And then like he's like, what, what is this? <laughs> and she's like. Ew, you want to do a fluid transfer? (laughs) (laughs) I love this because one of the themes of this podcast is that we find ways to offer up clips from weird, sometimes forgotten movies. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so we're going to look that one up. Oh, definitely worth it. Um, Okay, so I think our answer to your question is we'll do a sex party when we figure out how to have sex with our minds. And also, if it happens before that, we'll be sure and let you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, still waiting. <laughs> okay. I don't want to go to this party, but I want to hear all about it. Right. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> okay. Um, it's got to be weird to have sex with other people after not having sex with other people in a long time. Like, what is like, what's that like? See, these are the, see, yeah. I have been holding back. I haven't like? asked you this. I've yeah. been like dying to know. <laughs> she asked me this. Uh-huh. So oh, I'm actually, you, you did, you did. So I'm going to let Alex answer first. <laughs> okay. So like it's, you know, it's been like two years now. So the, I'm trying to think back to the first time mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was okay. Uh, it was a little <laughs> bit like I was kind of like watching myself do it mm-hmm. sort of, you know, because, um, 
you know, that's the kind of thing that, like, maybe you, like, think about uh, and, like, not to get, like, too deep on it or whatever, but, like, the reality fantasy gap is massive, as we know, so, like, then actually doing it, I was just like, what's going on, you know, but, um, like, longer term, you, like, learn stuff from having sex with other people, which, like, you probably know is having person who's had sex with many people over a, a long period of time, right? Like, like Okay, you, my mom's not listening to this. Yeah, I feel like, Alex, you keep referencing Reagan having been with many, many yeah, people. <laughs> Something's being revealed here about Alex and his assumptions. I don't have a tally. I'm just saying that that's like, it's not that different, you know, on the longer timeline of that. No, but also, I mean, one, I think that's bullshit because <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm calling your bluff on that because I feel like Every few minutes in this podcast, y'all are falling into that shame well. Mm-hmm. How do you, like, suddenly, after 20 years mm-hmm. of being like, it would be bad if I slept with someone else, mm. flip the switch and be like, okay, well, it's good now. She said it's okay. Everybody's yeah. okay. It's consensual. Like, there was no, like, residual, like, uh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, mm-hmm. like, between us? Well, no. I mean, just For you. even, like, maybe, maybe like, men don't have this. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Me, like... uh, I mean, I, I definitely felt like weird about like how Sarah would feel about it and like didn't like, you know, we like share pretty, yeah. we don't share intimate details about Ooh, that was stuff question. like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, definitely not like, uh, <laughs> like getting really deep into it. And I think that's just like, that's not really a boundary that we necessarily set in a hard way, but like sort of instinctually knowing that that wouldn't be stuff that I would want to hear or stuff that she would want to hear. I mean, that's, that's hard. I don't think I experience it as much around the, like, I wasn't supposed to do this and now I'm doing it. And that's kind of like tearing me up internally. It's more like about Sarah and my relationship. Mm, Okay. I think that's an honest answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Um, I feel like, like, I want to ask you these questions and then I want to come back next year and ask you these questions. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And see, like, what... A longitudinal study. Well, I'm just... Yeah, because I'm wondering, like, how it shifts over time or if there's, like, if something else evolves. And, yeah. Um, I, to answer that question for myself mm-hmm. listening to you talk, I didn't feel any guilt about doing it in the context of, like, breaking vows of marriage or something like mm-hmm. that. In part because um, I felt, especially in the beginning, more like Alex was enthusiastically doing it. And so I was like, and I'm keeping up on behalf of this agreement. Mm -hmm. And so I think like I had a really different relationship to it because of that. I also, a theme that comes up in this podcast is I have this little switch that can flip where I'm like, and now I am an explorer and I am going and exploring these things. And journalist mind, it's journalist mind is also sometimes like disassociated mind. And so I think like, that's one of the things I'm learning about through this process of sleeping with other people is that like, I can get myself to do anything. I mean, like, if I decide that I think it's interesting or whatever that means to me, or I, like, can cultivate some curiosity, I'll switch, flip that little switch, and I'll be like, here I go. Uh, But what I'm learning is if I do that in a really, like, disassociated, like, not present way, it comes back for me, right? Because you don't have all the information that you have when you're fully embodied. Yeah, I don't have all the information, Mm -hmm. and I have a lot, like, I am metabolizing it on a lot longer timeline, Um, so I think, you know, two years later, I'm actually like experiencing shame around some of the sex that I had at the beginning of opening up that I didn't even realize that I had 
um, ways that I didn't like keep myself safe. I wasn't respectful of myself sometimes. Um, I wasn't in touch with what I wanted or didn't want. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just like had that little switch that was like, well, that doesn't matter because I'm having adventures, you know, or whatever. Um, So that's a long learning curve for me, actually. Like what it actually feels like to have sex with people who are not Alex. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's probably not the same, but definitely some plus one on that. I think my framing around that is more, it takes me a while to get comfortable with people. And like a a lot of the things that Sarah just said are probably like beneath the surface with that, you know, more uh, easier, easier framing or like whatever, but. It's, it's not like you just dive into it and you're just like, yeah, this is great. Everything I ever wanted to do. And it's all happening exactly how I pictured. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fucking mess. Yeah. And I can have like that little checklist of everything I ever thought was interesting or I might want to do. And I was just checking it off and not checking in with myself yeah. mm-hmm. about what that actually felt like. And you know what? Like, is this something I still even want to yeah. do? Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yep. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Mm. So what would happen if, like, one day one of you woke up and was like, oh, well, that was interesting. I'm done now. Monogamy. Hmm. Like, would that be a deal breaker for the other one? And, like, or yeah, would you no. just kind of revert? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've talked about, we certainly talked about that a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a good thing to, like, remind ourselves of that it is an option and we're still, um, but, it, and you know, we're still, like, committed to each other regardless of whether it's turned on or off but uh Mm -hmm. it's also we also talk about how you can't you can't go back um from you know or like i don't know how you feel about it but that's certainly a feeling (laughs) a feeling that's there yeah you can't unring the bell right yeah Um, i think that for me and it has been really really like helpful for you to say this alex is and you say this a lot you're like we can stop at any time and like that is like for me huge and I think like it relates to things around consent and safety and sex and I mean like obviously I uh being reminded of that and being able to remind myself of that with lots of things in intimate spaces is really important to me um that we can stop at any time mm-hmm. uh and then it's usually you saying you can't ring the bell in response to that but. yeah and that's true and I think like uh in a way whether or not I continue to practice non-monogamy actively, it's like the same way whether or not like I would actively be in queer relationships. I am non-monogamous and I am queer. Mm-hmm. And I think like part of what the last two years has given me is those identities and understanding that it's not directly linked to behavior. Like that is a way of expressing it, mm-hmm. but it's not like the identity is is fixed in my mind. And I mean, I really appreciated what you said. You were like, I already had you in a queer space in my mind because you lived in a queer way. And in a sense, that was also, I was already living in a non-monogamous way too, mm-hmm. whether or not I was oh, having definitely. sex with other people. So, so it's a both and for me. It's like, I will always be those things because they are who I am. I think whether or not we like actively practice non-monogamy is a choice that I feel like we could make in a lot of different ways and would be okay and would be about like centering like safety and our feelings and our needs that I mean our lives are gonna our lives have already changed so much in two years they're gonna keep changing a lot Um, and I think knowing that we can change how we practice Mm non-monogamy or queerness or our relationship to like suit those different changes makes me feel safe so both things are true we couldn't go back to exactly how things were before like our relationship is different but we could be 
practicing or not practicing. Totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's interesting though. I haven't really heard anybody talk about non-monogamous as like a static identity marker. It's controversial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people feel uncomfortable with the idea that it would be considered like an orientation in the same way your sexuality might be. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I don't really, I think as someone who is queer and non-monogamous, I don't feel super strongly one way or the other about that. Mm -hmm. What I know for myself is I am just both of those things. Um, and I always have been, you know, mm -hmm. like what, whatever that means and like, however they sort of like show up in a socio-political kind of understanding of the world, you know? Yeah. I guess, I guess that is me saying that I feel like it is an identity more than a practice, I guess, in the very definition of what I'm saying, but yeah. I have a whole other episode's worth of stuff to say about that. I don't think I'm even going to stop. Oh, really? Interesting. Okay, noted. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Waiting to listen to that. Yeah, yeah whatever. Uh -huh. um, okay, so moving into being non-monogamous from ostensibly at least being like practicing monogamy, um, what do you feel like are are some of the myths you've been debunking along the way about like what this journey would be like? Mm, the sex parties one, for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Boo, we want to keep that in. <laughs> I know. We're really committed to ruining everyone's fun here. Um, well, I know that sex parties are an important part of non-monogamy for a lot of people. Yeah, and like we know people who started with non-monogamy from being married by going to whatever the, the sex posse club is. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And like that was the first thing that they did. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm like, that is the last thing I will do, probably, but like... Okay. I always have so many questions up. about like bleach and hygiene around. Yeah, for like, sure. Same. Me too. <laughs> I always like my OCD comes out. And I, know, like, oh, I know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess maybe related to that, like mm. all of the stuff that seems like f like it would be could be like really fun and free. There's just so much more responsibility. Like mm. as soon as you step out of having, you know just sex, not to mention emotional relationships with another person, then suddenly like you have to know more about, you know, SDI safety and consent mm -hmm. and like all of those things that I had just been like, oh, I'm just like kind of avoiding all of this by being in a monogamous relationship for a really long time. Like, and that's uh, a good experience, but it's not like in the wild and fancy free fun category for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how often do you test? I think it depends on like what, how much your kind of partners are changing and what they're, mm -hmm. what they're doing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, For me, I have had pretty steady partners and those partners have had pretty steady partners for like the past year or so. Mm -hmm. um, but I, in general, I test every six months. Yeah. Just like as a general practice. Um, and the, about the, myth-busting stuff. I think uh, one of the things that was interesting for me, I thought that it would be way harder for me to develop relationships with people Alex was in relationship with, so metamors. Mm -hmm. um, that had been sort of described as something that's really typically difficult. I had imagined it would be really difficult for me, and there have definitely been points of difficulty, but I have actually found that to be some of the most like easily accessible, rewarding parts of this is like meeting and making friends with people um, mm -hmm. and having like, yeah, like intimate friendships emerge as a result. So. I've been wondering about like types. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, Alex, you have a type. <laughs> <laughs> 
of person that I'm attracted to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, is it like so? Is it like we go to a party? Oh. It's like Sarah doppelgangers. <laughs> like, oh yeah, like, good question. I was <laughs> what she was saying was making me think we have really similar taste in people mm-hmm. that we are attracted to, whether romantically or not. So that yes. makes that stuff easier because, like, typically I'm gonna like the people that Sarah's dating as okay. people. Right. You know, regardless of, you know, what other feelings might come out of that um, mm-hmm. and probably vice versa. In terms of, I think you find out more about your types. That's a plural for sure. Mm-hmm. And like, I definitely at the beginning was like, oh, I'm dating this person that reminds me of this other person that I dated or this other person that, you know, I had some kind of intimate relationship with in the past. But it's not just one. Mm-hmm. There's like every new person that I dated. I was like, oh, this is like that person. Like, and that's another type that I have. I don't think they're... uh I mean, I guess, are they similar to you? Well, I in think... In terms of values, <laughs> definitely. Um... Ra- politically radical therapists definitely yeah. show up a <laughs> lot like... in in this particular polycule. I mean, we did have a conversation about this the other day because I was, like, writing a dating profile and I was, uh-huh. like, I were, like, changed it from, like, a bunch of elaborate shit to, like, I'm just looking for a non-monogamous revolutionary witch with cool tattoos. <laughs> And I was like, I'm um, Alex. A perfect description of Sarah. <laughs> so maybe that's my type. Yeah. Well, but then that kind of makes me wonder because, like, part of me thinks too, like, if you're going to open up your marriage, like, I don't know. Why not date, uh-huh. like, I, don't, I mean, like, just what's the opposite of that? <laughs> the most, like, different people you can imagine, like, a, yeah. a high powered corporate, like, marathon running, uh-huh. I don't know. A Samoan uh, farmer. Yes. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And that's where you start to learn about some of those, like, you know, just like your kind of training in terms of what you're attracted to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely, like, attracted to normie people in this way mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I don't really That's one of on his it. types for sure. Yeah. The normie people. <laughs> Nor- yeah. Big norms. And, like, realizing how much... Uh, like power and privilege is like embodied in that. And like, if you go on dating apps as a man, there are like a lot of women who are like, you know, looking for the, their husband and looking to access, like, like there's like capitalism things playing out Mm -hmm. in that realm. That's like kind of blows my mind sometimes. Um, and that's a whole other thing than the thing that we're doing, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. That's gotta be interesting too. Like, do you find, do you find like when you're on the apps and stuff, do you find people that are more of a match or, or, or what is like the culture of polyamorous people seeking other people? Like, do you find that there's a lot of variety in that, what they want or how they're presenting or? Definitely. I find that, I mean, it's worth saying like, there's a lot of therapists that do it. I mean, it's not just that we have that type. It's just like, there is something maybe about being already interested in like psychodynamics Mm -hmm. and intimate relationships and mental health and like psychodrama and all of that, that like would make you kind of interested in this. And then there are a lot of people who, um, well, is that true? To answer your question more bluntly, no, I struggle to find people that feel like a good match for me. I find people who seem interesting, but folks, <laughs> that's different. but that's different. Yeah. Like, I think it's actually pretty rare for me to find someone where I'm like, this feels like a real, like that this is hitting on, you know, the, the things I really need it to. And mm-hmm. that's like kind of a once in a blue moon thing for me. I'm learning. I yeah. Agree. Okay. The children. <laughs> yeah. What about the children? Yeah. So I did, I listened to the children episode and I was like, okay, Okay, but I wanted more. Like, Mm -hmm. I was kind of curious, like, I know for me, when my parents began to, like, date other people, 
um, oftentimes I just didn't meet those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might like mention them or like there was no like necessarily, it wasn't necessarily a secret. You know, mom might be like, oh, I'm going to go out with this person. Da, da. But like until it was maybe six months in, I just didn't meet them. So, like, what kind of boundaries do you have around who gets to meet the kids? And then what are the expectations of, of how they'll interact or not interact? Yeah, that's uh, about this, probably the schedule we're on. Like, mm-hmm. we get pretty close with people before the kids would meet them. I mean, our kids have met four total of our partners, um, which probably maps to, like, the most serious relationships that we've had. Um, and they've met them to varying degrees of... Um, sort of intimacy. It's like in the case of a man that I dated for nine or ten months, he met them like once outside in the backyard, introduced as a friend. Like there were pastries. That was it, you know. Um, so it has been, I mean, I'm just going to be super blunt about this. And I mean, I don't even know what I think about it, but it feels so much safer to me to introduce women mm-hmm. to the kids. And easier. Okay. Um, that doesn't mean that I, we don't still like take caution and think about it. And I don't think that we've done this perfectly. So I also want to present that. Yeah. Um, but that just shows up for me here where I'm like open to the idea of women that we're dating, meeting the kids, much less so to the idea of men that I'm dating, meeting the kids. I don't know what to make of that. I'd be curious to hear what you all think about it. Yeah. It's kind of agony, um, not that thing specifically, but not negotiating this stuff in general. And I think it's like hard because of the tension between are are we doing this in a way that is building our community, and these are people that we're bringing into our community. And like, you know, I'm like going through a breakup right now, and that's the hardest thing about it is like, oh, this is a person like that I had thought of as being like uh, becoming a part of community. And so, how do you like change that relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's like a tension between that part of the the effort of the experiment and like just like you're like making friends with you know extra stuff on top of it um versus uh you know these are just like passing people or whatever and i I guess that's probably where i would decide like oh i feel like that's what's happening with this person and so it makes sense for them to meet the kids and like not that we feel like they need to it's super important but just because they're you know that's a big part of our lives and you know they're in our lives yeah, but I feel like if I'm being really honest in answering this question today, I'm probably at a point of like sort of re-examining the way I've approached that with the idea of like centering my kids' like emotional safety and stability a little more. Um, I think because we've had such like a big, expansive, like community-oriented approach to having children... I kind of rushed into the idea Mm -hmm. that dating would also reflect that and that like they would just know people and people would be brought into the community and that this would just like continue to be an expression of that. And I don't think that we have done things that have necessarily been unsafe for the kids emotionally. And I don't think we've done things that were unsafe for them physically. Um, But I do think that we've done things that didn't center them in that way where we weren't thinking about them first or what their experience of this might be mm-hmm. and whether or not it would be confusing mm-hmm. or whether or not they would feel like the complex sort of like dynamics and tension and not understand. You know, I think there was a lot of me kind of centering like what I wanted this to look like or feel like. Um, so that's just me being really candid about the way I've been feeling kind of just in the last week or so mm-hmm. um, as I've 
thought about like potentially going out and maybe trying dating again. Alex thinking about that relationships that we have had changing. I was like, I, I think I would probably approach that with more caution and more boundaries going forward. Honestly, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's very hard. Having kids is just hard as fuck in general. And this I don't know if you've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that from us rumor. every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's really like another thing on the pile where you kind of feel like, oh, this would be easier if I wasn't, you know, doing this other weird thing. But it would still be, you know, it's just one of 99. I got 99 problems and the kids are 97 of them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they aren't, but, you know. Having kids is maybe 97 of them. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I think it's it's hard. I think it's harder than people who are non-monogamous would like to admit. Because I think yeah. that is like a hot center of shame for yes. a lot of us. Yeah, and is like, that... I don't want to talk about it right now, like the details, because I feel like maybe we're doing it wrong. And like, it's scary. I don't know what, you know, it's the thing I least want people, because other people are implicated beyond just the two of us. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. Mm. Um, and just like the idea that you're doing something that is taboo, you're doing something outside of the norm, you're doing something that is explicitly about sex in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. And your kids are impacted by it. That just in and of itself is scary territory to be in. And that's where, like, privileged people like us bump up against some of the feelings of vulnerability that other people are probably always feeling. And you start to be like, I could, like, my kids could get taken away because of, you know. And that's, like, very far outside of the realm of reality. But, like, you know, that's shit like that is scary as fuck when you're used to just being like, no, everything's fine. And I live in a society that's mostly designed to cater Cater to my needs needs and, and center my experiences. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think, like, there are lessons also for us to learn, and I'm really interested in hearing from people about their experiences of their parents' expressions of sex and, like, sexuality when they were kids. Because I feel like we don't talk about that a lot. And I'm like, what are the different ways that that can feel like? How can it, like, feel safe and honest at the same time? What models might we already have of that Um, so it doesn't feel like we're experimenting on the kids or trying to reinvent the wheel when we don't have to. Yeah, I think about that a lot. I think about um, how to talk to kids about normal things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, if, if they don't have any context, like how can you give them a context for, for what this framework is? Um, so kind of like in your last episode um, about the children, I feel like you were beginning to kind of talk about that. Um, but I was like, I want more. I want, like, I want to know, like, not, I want, I'm like, I wanted, I want a non-defensive answer mm-hmm. <laughs> about like, what do you say to your kids? Yeah. Not because I'm like, don't talk to your kids about it, but because I'm like, what do you actually say? Like, cause I'm thinking too about the, the other big silences and the big taboos, um, around things like that are, that are normal, like your period or mm-hmm. your body or sex or different kinds of sex that sex isn't always like one way. Mm-hmm. Um, these are things that what I'm finding with the 13 year olds, especially that I work with is there's a really broad spectrum of how they've been addressed in their home lives. And I think there's an area for growth, um, that like is specifically like kind of y'all are honing in on around Mm -hmm. mistakes are made. And that I think more people need to continue to have this conversation over and over again so that there are actually like more things to draw from. Yes. 
I mean, it's so poignant for you to mention that because we had a whole episode where it was like high level concepts about how you talk to your children about these things. Not four days later, I'm driving the kids to school and one of the kids is like, so-and-so at school says gay people are gross. What's gay people? And I was like, I'm gay. Like, seriously. And it was just like, I have never even said that in front of my kids. That wasn't the first thing I said. But it was, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the, the first thing I said was, uh, you know, well, yeah, wh- what do we know about what gay means? And let's talk a little bit about that. And I asked them what they knew. And I added some of my own information. And then I said, and I'm, you know, we know gay people. I'm gay. And your auntie is gay. Your other auntie is gay. That other auntie also gay. All your aunties are gay. Um, except for Auntie Reagan. Except for Auntie Reagan. <laughs> auntie Reagan is the one auntie who's not gay. Okay. But it was like a. It was like a kind of. It was a check on me, because it was like, oh hey, you're like way out here talking about like these high level things, and you haven't come out to your kids, right? Like whoop, you know, and like that just mm-hmm. reminder of like, yeah, you got to keep having these conversations. You got to get down into like the nuts and bolts of it. You got to be ready to have it a lot, have them a lot. Yeah. That I feel like as these conversations keep happening, I'd like a commitment from y'all to like talk about Mm -hmm. that because I think people really need to hear it no matter how they Mm -hmm. identify or no matter like what type of life they're living. Like these are important, important, important conversations. Um, And a lot of like, when I'm hearing the youth talk about their most traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. so much of them stem from not having had honest and open communication mm-hmm. or yeah. having like complete misinformation about yeah. how things were going to mm-hmm. be. Um, and, you know, or just having that kind of ha- hitting a wall where like they ask their parents this really yeah. like important question and their parents are like, ah! like, mm-hmm. like, we don't talk about Bruno. Like, we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> yeah. Like, you yeah. know? Yeah. That's a good. That's that's a commitment I'm willing to make. I mean, thank you for asking us to make it. um, And I am definitely here to to hold myself to it. Oh, thank you. How many partners is too many? At one time? Well, I mean, if you're polyamorous, there's (laughs) like the sky's the limit, right? You can date Uh like 99 people. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought about it three, I think. Does that include me? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to be included? Yeah. I do. I do. Uh, I would say that it depends on, like, the type of relationship I'm having. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm more and more interested in exploring the different types of relationships I can have. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think if it comes to, like, really super committed, like, partnerships with, like, the intention of, like, community and involvement and like being a really like regular part of my life and like all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, probably one or two. Right. Um, but I'm curious about other ways that I can express like queerness and polyamory and other types of relationships that I could have, um, that might allow for, I don't know, more, uh, in different ways. I feel like this is sounding really vague. Mm. I guess I'm... I think that I gave a two-word yeah. answer. <laughs> no, I, I'm actually 100% behind that. Like, is if you're having, like, real serious, like, parallel, emotionally committed relationships, yeah, yeah. two or three tops for me. Um, I'm curious about, like, other types of relationships yeah. you can have in non-monogamy, and I don't have a lot of experience with that. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey. Ooh, I guess that's another question, then. It's like, is that... 
are you trying to get more experience in that or are you pretty much like what are you looking like what are you looking for when you're dating i guess that's a, mm-hmm. a better question yeah i mean i usually come back to like learning new stuff and having my life be enriched in some kind of way by that's like the high level i mean library card no like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i like talking to people and having sex after all that stuff too oh, so. yeah. uh, but no i think there's more i mean like like you know just like to what do you mean by a partner in the previous question like I'm in a relationship with Sarah's partner. We like have a creative project together and like, that's like a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's not like a sexual or romantic one, but like, you know, so there's like, I think there's a lot of different ways that like your, your circle can be expanding and a lot of different things you can get out of it. And it's certainly possible. This isn't really a thing that we've explored about it, of it just being like more strictly sexual or being some kind of like kink that you like, you know, want to explore with somebody who's into that when, you know, your other partners aren't or, Mm-hmm. You know, fucking playing tennis with people. <laughs> like, there's a lot. And I, like I don't know what. I don't know what. Yeah, there's totally. Yeah, but actually, they're related. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I told you he likes normies. Like you, like he dates so many people who play tennis, so, and I just feel like that. I'm that like, I only like know two people who play tennis. Like, total. Yeah. Prior to Alex becoming non-monogamous, I knew one person who played tennis. Alex. You know, my tennis court porn peeps. No, I know you're out there. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just learned so much all the time through this podcast. I just learned so much. Um, as far as what I'm looking for in dating, I, that's, I'm going to answer that one with a big, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. Um, I think this maybe centers back to the first question that you asked me, uh, which I then sidestepped for like mm-hmm. an hour and, and a half. You know, didn't answer. Didn't yeah. answer. I noticed. You noticed. <laughs> I thought I knew you noticed when you were like, why date men? Uh, why do this? You're always like, why are you doing this? Why are you dating men? Uh, <laughs> take it on the chin though thank you for your grace with me and my why um and i think i'm learning that you know i sometimes figure out my whys by doing mm-hmm. and there is some trial and error um and i think uh it's related to themes that have come up a lot today around like understanding who i am and fear and desire um and not overriding any of those things and trying to stay present to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think like directly to answer the question about men, that's what I realize is why I still date men. Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, I am attracted to men and women and non-binary people. Um, And you're also right. Like I have a man in my life who I love and I have an intimate sexual romantic relationship with. So why others? And I think it's that because of the desire and the fear that's there the desire and the fear that's always been there and that has ruled actually so much of my life without me even knowing it. And I think like this first round of dating has shown me how big a part of who I am in my life that's been. And I don't want to live with that like hidden and operating from the shadows. I want to know more about that so that I can be in relationship with it and like have agency around it and feel good about myself and my relationships to like being afraid of men and desiring men. Um, so that's like the, the big answer to why I still date men is because there's still more information for me there. Um, and it's something I really, it's important to me to learn and understand about myself 
I think it's important for me to learn and understand about myself in relationship to being a parent mm. and to raising children. Um, I don't want to just like hand those shadows to them and be like, I don't know, maybe you can do more with this than I could, you know? Um, so that's the white eight men. What do I want in dating in general? Uh, I want to learn about myself. I want to learn about the world. I also just want to have a little fun. Like, you know what I mean? I yeah. feel like I haven't let this be fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I've just been like rolling up my sleeves. I'm going to do some really intense work. <laughs> All right, here we go. Therapist approach to dating. The therapist journalist <laughs> approach to dating. And I'm like, the world is nuts. Like being a therapist is hard. Being a parent is hard. Being alive right now is hard. All of this is hard. I just also want there to be some corner of my life where I get to feel a little like fun and mm -hmm. free. Um, and I know that like being in relationship with people comes with like responsibility. So I'm not like casting that aside, but I think that's what I'm also looking for in, in a new round of this, um, whatever that might look like. Yeah. And I think that comes back to your question from before about like, if you already have so much stuff figured out, like why, why mess with it or whatever. And it's like the same <laughs> thing that you were saying, like, you're like seeking no matter where you are you're always like seeking more like joy and mm. you know you said euphoria and like sometimes it feels like it's worth it for what you get back and sometimes it doesn't but i think people just have a kind of motivation to mm. to do that no matter where they're starting from that makes sense okay um as a person who is, has been mostly single during the <laughs> during the production of this podcast no uh, <laughs> 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 until like a month ago um I like don't have time for shit. Like, how do you have oh, time dude. for like, yeah. dude? How are you like? We just real? do a lot of shit. And <laughs> okay. I don't really know how, and that's how it's... we were gonna be, regardless of whether dating was one of those things or having other yeah. relationships were. Like, we keep ourselves busy. You and know, the, you, you know, you're in trouble when Reagan Jackson says it seems like you're yeah. doing too much stuff. Like that, that actually struck fear into my heart, Reagan, because when I think of the person who is like the poster child for doing too much goddamn stuff, it's you. So I'm like, oh god. Yeah, it's not a coincidence that we started doing it when everything shut down See? and mm -hmm. you know definitely like a calculated risk around the whole we're gonna get COVID and die thing <laughs> uh, but like we weren't allowed to do other stuff and so we we're like what the fuck we gotta stay busy somehow not consciously but I think that's kind of what happened I yeah. love it because that was the other like I was also like had a lot of fear for you guys around COVID yeah um, and part yeah. of that I mean I think it's just my own paranoia and being like yeah and then yeah. there's more people around well, you <laughs> you know where we got COVID what? The kids? Fucking preschool, yeah. Yeah, the kids. <laughs> the 97 problems that we referenced earlier. I'm like, that. that's tracks. how we got it. <laughs> I almost wished that we had gotten it from dating because mm -hmm. then I would have felt like, I don't know, like at least it was like a fun, interesting way of. Yeah. This is terrible. Did I just say a fun, interesting way of getting COVID? <laughs> I think that, that signals that we should wrap this up <laughs> 10 minutes ago. We're, we're in that season, though, yeah. right? We're, you know. In that season where the writers are like that's, throwing up spaghetti at yeah, the wall. That's, that's right. <laughs> sharks are being jumped. Everyone's jumping sharks. Sharknado. Sharknado. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Snakes on a plane. That's um, <laughs> okay, um, last one. Oh, okay. okay. It's the liberation question. Mm -hmm. What has been the most liberating experience of being polyamorous? Hey, y'all said sexy. Y'all uh -huh. said fun. Like, let's go there. <laughs> We're just like both deep sigh. <laughs> I just, I just want to like be able to be like, yeah, I don't know. I want to say something sexy. I want to be like blowjobs. I don't know. Just like, 
I just like want so bad for my answer to be something like fun and sexy. Like it's just come you know, spring everywhere. Yeah. That's the you know, uh. kissing beautiful women. I, like and all of that happened. And why uh, is that? Why can't that be my answer? Gosh. Yeah. No, the mm-hmm. most liberating part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like not um, feeling like like my sexuality was like okay. Hmm. Put it in like simple terms. Mm-hmm. Hmm. T- tell us a little bit more. Just like knowing that it was okay to be attracted to people, other people outside of my marriage too, and um, that that would like be reciprocated, and like I would find like fun and like a feeling of freedom in that huh. I mean I guess it's answering the question with the question itself but like it does feel liberating mm-hmm. um, and like I don't think I knew that that was really possible mm-hmm. um, and it makes me feel better I think for me it's that um, it's liberating to learn that love is flexible mm. you know I think I grew up in a way that where it felt highly conditional and very brittle and very fragile and that like you had to tightly control it to be able to keep it. Um, and it felt scarce and like fleeting. Uh, and so I think like that blowing, blowing it up was like a dramatic way of being like, maybe it's not like that. Maybe it can be like flexible and dynamic Maybe there's just, maybe it's everywhere. And maybe, like, love can, like, move and change to be what the people in love need it to be. Um, and there be like, there's, like, a lot of, and I wouldn't say, that's not, like, a place that I am, like, in a permanent way, I wish. That's, like, back when we get to, like, where we're doing mind, sex, and levitating. It's, like, mm-hmm. when I, like, know that all the time. But, like, proof of concept, you know? And, like, that proof of concept has been really liberating to me. Um, that you don't have to, like cling to like little whatever love you can get with like Mm. white knuckles you know Mm. but you can let go and there will be plenty I think that's the perfect place to end yeah thank you Reagan for the great questions thank you and the conversation thank you thanks for letting me ask all the names I want to ask keep them coming keep a list you can come back (laughs) (laughs) and call us on all the answers that we gave that turn out to not be true in six months (laughs) (laughs) which will inevitably happen (laughs) yeah okay uh thank you so much for listening to mistakes were made uh you can follow us on spotify and please like and rate the podcast on apple podcasts and spotify and everywhere else where you listen to podcasts also listen to the deep end on all of those platforms too and to hear more of reagan um and we'll be back in two weeks with more are you going to promote your show? Yeah, come on, oh, Alex. Do it. Oh, do yeah. it. Oh, damn it. Okay. She did have uh, one last yeah, question. Our, our, <laughs> oh, there's more. Our band <laughs> that's called Blood Star that is uh, a collaboration between Sarah and I and her girlfriend, Aubrey, and some other dudes, uh, is playing at Connor Byrne on June 29th, which is like right after this uh, podcast is probably going to come out. It's in Ballard. Come check it out, like eight o'clock, seven o'clock, something like that. Yep. We'll oh, and it'll be—it's great because, like, I uh, a lot of the lyrics have been written about and inspired by 
the experience of like everyone involved in the band's uh -huh. like experience with non-monogamy and relationships. It's not explicit, yeah. but it's pretty um, on on theme. We'll see you there. And if you mention mistakes were made at the door, then you will still be charged the exact same cover as everyone <laughs> The bouncer will be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I'll buy you a drink. Yeah, okay. Hey. Well, I'll be there. <laughs> Thanks so much, Reagan. This was really great. It was Aww, so awesome. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.